Hello and welcome to the I'm Just Being Honest podcast. Today we are diving into the subject and I guess you could say maybe like the ongoing conversation that exists um, with contemporary worship and traditional worship, the, the difference... The differencing in worship styles and what they mean and all that that good stuff, um, with a particular focus on, on contemporary worship, of course. Um, you know, there's a lot of people I don't know about you all. I'm hoping maybe we're we're moving into a age and a time where contemporary music is much more accepted, uh, and you know is able to occur with no opposition. However, you could uh, potentially come from an area or from a background, if you're like me, where, you know, there is still in some places opposition towards contemporary worship. Um, You know, there's more of a focus and more of an emphasis placed on traditional, and contemporary uh, is something that is not seen as uh, positively by some. Um, So, you know, with that being a potential possibility for you, I definitely have seen in my life um, I just want to dive right into the topic, and let's just talk about this, this these, these, these worship styles, and go from there. So uh, let's look at some scripture first, and then we'll we'll go from there. So starting with Isaiah twelve five, it says, uh, "Sing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth." Psalm one forty nine three says, "Let them praise His name with dancing, making melody to Him with tambourine and lyre." Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness, come into His presence with singing. And then uh, finally, Psalm 150 verses 1 through 6 says, Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens, praise Him for His mighty deeds, praise Him according to His excellent greatness, praise Him with trumpet sound, praise Him with lute and harp, praise Him with tambourine and dance, Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Okay. So there's a lot there in those verses. Um, but to, to kind of go dive into the discussion, um, when we think about a traditional service, and what, whenever I say traditional worship, what I am saying and what I am referring to is a service that is usually comprised, when it comes to music, um, of piano, maybe an organ, and then you'll have, you know, like a choir, or maybe one person, like a soloist, Um, but that's kind of, whenever I'm saying traditional um, worship, I'm thinking piano, maybe an organ, and then like a choir or a soloist, whenever I'm, that's, that's what I'm meaning, okay? And whenever I'm talking like a contemporary service or contemporary worship, what I am um, specifically referencing is um, a full band, you know, guitars, a keyboard, drums. You might have a couple singers. Um, you know, usually you're singing contemporary music, whereas opposed to in a traditional service, you'd be singing hymn music. So I think it's important before we even go into this, Whenever I'm saying contemporary and whenever I'm saying traditional, what what I'm specifically meaning. And so I hope that that kind of gives you the differentiation that you need between the two services whenever I'm diving into this, this um, conversation. 
And so whenever we think about, you know, who usually goes to each of the services, what, you know, what are, what are each of the services usually um, made up of? When we think about uh, traditional services, usually it's going to be comprised of older generations, older people. There might be some middle-aged. There could potentially be some younger families. But usually in a uh, traditional service, we're, we're, usually it's going to be older people. Could be wrong, you know, maybe your experience is different, but in my experience at least, that's uh, what I have seen. And then whenever we think about, or whenever I think about contemporary services, usually that is comprised of younger people and younger families. So like your your teens, your 20s, your 30s, 40s, maybe some 50s, but you know, usually, um, you know, the, the younger crowd is, is who um, would usually comprise of a contemporary service. And so I just want to flat out, you know, whenever we think about the argument, because it seems like a lot of times the, uh, the older generation, at least in my experience, the older generation that goes to the traditional services have uh, voiced their opinions on what they've thought about contemporary music and contemporary services, and here are some of those things that I've heard them say, or that I have heard people say in opposition to contemporary services and contemporary worship. And I think if we're going to have this conversation, we need to talk about what, what, are the, what are the arguments that people make, okay? Well, the argument that I have heard that is um, opposed to contemporary worship is the idea of, um, <laughs> or ideas of the music's too loud, um, the music is very repetitive, uh, you know, contemporary songs are just, they just repeat the same four or five lines over and over again. That's all it is. Um, you know, I've even had some people who have, uh, thought that they, you know, that they didn't think that, uh, the drums and like the guitars and stuff like that should be on the altar. Um, you know, it shouldn't be there. Should not, you know, that's not the place for that. Um, just, just things that I've heard. So, you know, and I think it's important, you know, whenever we, whenever we look at, you know, these, these different um, arguments that people have brought up in regards to this topic, you know, where are those concerns rooted at? What, what would, what would cause somebody to be so um, potentially opposed to this, this type of, of worship or this type of music? Or the idea of, of drums and guitars and things like that being on the altar. Where would that, where could that come from? And I mean, with everybody, it's, I guess it could be different. But I really think if, we're, if this is coming from an older person, an older generation, the thing that I think we all need to think about is the um, impact of the 1950s and the rock and roll culture. Um, that kind of arose during the time whenever these older people were younger. They might have been just starting out their lives or they could still be have been in their parents' homes growing, you know, still um, in their early uh, childhood, early adolescent years. Um, so I think it's important to, first of all, whenever we think about opposition and we, think, we need to think about why. Why is this happening? And I think a potential why is this idea of the impact of rock and roll culture of the 1950s. And, you know, you would think, well, why would that have anything to do with contemporary music? Well, here's the thing. When we think about rock music that happened in the 50s, you know, and, and we're thinking about, like, you know, Elvis, uh, the Beatles, Jerry Lee Lewis, um, you know, people like that, 
those those um, rock and roll artists, you know, their music sent shockwaves to the U.S. You know, it, it was not like anything that had been heard of previously. It was definitely it was it was the becoming of a new age of music, new genres. It was you know, music was really starting to take a, a different turn and a different course. And uh, the New York Times has a really good article that I recommend recommend um, looking at if you want to know more about um, the impact of rock and roll on like the fifties and of the culture and the responses and stuff like that. Um, New York Times has a great article that's called uh, "The Pop Life: Rock No Longer Devil's Music." Question mark. That is the uh, name of the article. Really interesting. Um, highly recommend it. Um, and I'm not going to go into everything that the article talks about. But I think what the article brings out is that, um, you know, is the impact. And that impact being that, you know, the, the, the rhythms, like the intense guitar rhythms, the intense um, drum lines, and, you know, the, the, the really crazy, like, uh, piano rips. Like, you know, you think about Jerry Lee Lewis, like, kicking his um, seat back and, like, going crazy on the piano. You think about Elvis, you know, moving his hips around and getting into the music uh, you know, you can think about different guitar artists during that time and just the, you know, the, the really cool solos that they had. Um, and then also when you think about the lyrics of the music, because the lyrics were starting to become a little bit more sexual and they were starting to reference things about like love and, uh, relationships and sex and all that, that kind of stuff. Whenever all that came out and people saw that, especially the Christians of that time, okay, there was a lot of people that called rock and roll music the devil's music. They firmly believed that because these um, artists were talking about, you know, uh, love and, and kissing the girls or whatever, kissing the guys and, you know, sex and things like that, that it was, it was, it was the devil's music. Like, you should not listen to the music you're sinning if you are. If you go to the concert, you're sinning. If you're playing that music, you're or if you are singing that music, like if you're like an actual rock and roll artist, you're going to hell. Like there, there was. I mean, it was pretty strong views back then by by Christians. They were very opposed to rock and roll music. Um, and so you know you have this going on, and like I said, a lot of our older generation grew up in that. That's literally how they saw things, um, you know, they probably saw either them, you know, their pastors, they probably saw their parents, you know, they, they, they watched the people that, you know, the, the probably the most important um, figures in their life be extremely opposed to the point that they would say, oh, you know, that person's going to, you know, they're, they're sinning for doing that, or they're going to go to hell for doing that or whatever. They had to watch, you know, they watched all of that and they had, and they took all of that in. Okay. So, and why that's important in relation to contemporary music is is really simple. When we think about rock music, what does rock music entail? Rock music entails drums, guitars, keyboard, um, and and singers. Okay. And is it you know, crazy to, to not think that, oh wait, that's the same things that contemporary, a contemporary band would have, drums, guitars, keyboards, and musicians. So what I'm trying to kind of get to is the idea of, hey, you know, 
it could look a little similar to an older person when they look at those fifty rock and fifties rock and roll bands, and they look at contemporary worship bands today. They could look at that and say it looks the same, or it looks very similar. And so, even though with contemporary music, um, you know, it's different, and the lyrics are about Christ and they're not about sex. They could hear those, you know, really, you know, good guitar solos, or they could hear those drums going crazy during a, a worship, a, a contemporary worship song, or they could hear the piano, you know, maybe having a solo part, and they could look at that and think that it is the same, or they could look at that and think that it's too similar to 50s rock and roll music, and so in their mind, since they grew up with that mentality of this is sinful, this is wrong, this, you know, you could go to hell for this. It isn't to say that they automatically apply that description to contemporary music, but whenever we think about the opposition, is it far off to think that might be why there's such opposition to it? Like with the person who said that the guitar and the drum shouldn't be on the altar. Is it because they had this view growing up that guitars and drums were bad? And that that's why they can't be on the altar because something that was bad then can no longer be good ever again? You know, like, is that potentially what's going on? Um, and so that, and that's personally what I think. I think that, and I don't think that could be the ultimate reason but I think that could potentially be a reason that plays a, a big factor and a big role in this. I mean, it could be that, you know, this oppositions, um, you know, it could be that this opposition is, is to the 50s is really the, the impact and the reason for um, a lot of the um, opposition to contemporary services. And so, you know, and in fact, you know, I think about what's been told to me in the past. You know, I've even had people tell me before, like contemporary music that, you know, going to these contemporary uh, band concerts, it's just a big old rock concert. That's all it is. It's it's just a rock concert. I mean, I've had people tell me that. And so I think the, the problem is, is that we, you know, we have people who cannot see the differences and cannot see that, you know, what they grew up with is not the same as what's going on today. They, they, they're not able to, di to, di to differentiate between the two, okay? And so I think that's why whenever we think about this opposition, I think that's wh where it's coming from. That's just my, you know, if I'm being honest, that's just what I think. And so, you know, which brings me to the question of, you know, when older generations give oppositions and they give questions, you know, how do, uh, you know, leaders and young people respond? How do we respond to this? How do we how do we respond? And I think it's important, first of all, that we should respond in love. Like, you know, it's important if we're if we're trying to be, you know, if we're trying to follow scripture and if we're trying to be um, Christ-like, that we should be loving because Christ was loving, and you know, love is an important biblical theme. We you know, we know this, okay? So we should definitely be loving and and care and you know caring whenever we're giving responses to this. But however, what else do I think we should bring into, into play? I think we need to bring verses like Psalm 150, 1 to 6 into this. Because when we look at Psalm 150, 1 to 6, I mean, it literally says, you know, praise Him, meaning God. Praise God with trumpet sounds. Praise God with the lute and the harp. Praise God with tambourine and dance. Praise God 
with strings and pipe strings. You could, I mean, technically a guitar is a stringed instrument, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but I'm almost positive that's correct. Okay? Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. What's on a drum that's loud and clashing? I mean, you know, cymbals are part of drums. So, I mean, it, when we look at Psalm 150, I mean, I know this is, you know, I'm being a little literal here, but it's just like when we look at this, it seems to me that it's saying that it's, you know, that, you know, when, you know it's okay to praise God in this way. It's okay to praise God with a band, okay? I mean, it's important, though, I think, that, you know, on top of... um you know, pointing out the different instruments. I think it is important, though, that we 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 focus on our lyrics. Okay, I, I, let's make sure. Let me make sure that I say that as well. Like our lyrics should be important, and you know, we need to show people that the lyrics of our contemporary music is lyrics that worship God and bring God praise and glory, and the lyrics fit within Scripture. You know, this we're no, we're not singing sexual lyrics. We're not singing about. Uh, relationships and you know dating or or whatever they sang about in the fifties. That's not what our lyrics are. Our lyrics are about worshiping and praising God and loving the the Creator of of all. That that's you know and so it, it's important you know that we we do that that we 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 point out to these older people what our lyrics are and what they say and even if they are repetitive, even if they are even if the the same three or four lines do repeat a hundred times. Which in some songs it might be a little, little too repetitive in my opinion, but that doesn't matter. But even if it is repetitive, if it's repeating lines that give praise, glory, and honor to God, what is the problem? If we're continuously giving God praise, which is what the 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 uh, passages of Scripture that I set aside for this uh, podcast today, if the if the focus should be giving God praise and glory, what does it matter? If the same three or four lines are repeated multiple times, if we go back to to traditional worship, okay, and we think about hymn music, what do you sing? What part of a hymn do you sing over and over again? You sing the chorus, okay? Like usually, what do you do with a hymn? You sing the verse, then you sing the chorus, then you go back up and do the second verse, then you do the chorus, then you might do the third verse or the fourth verse, and then you do the chorus. If you think about it, whenever you do traditional uh, music, you usually sing the chorus three or four times in one song, okay? So if you, you can't get that too mad about contemporary music being repetitive because literally in traditional hymns, you repeat the chorus almost as much. Maybe not, but that's just but you still, you still repeat it at least three or four times. Just saying. So just, just figured I would you know, throw that out there. Um, but I hope whenever we, we, you know, whenever we show our lyrics, whenever we make the connections between, um, the, the instruments that scripture wants, that talks about us using to praise God and the instruments that we're using now to praise God, you know, seeing the, the connections and the similarities there, the, what the hope is, is that, you know, these people who are opposed can see that contemporary music is not rebellion. You know, this is not the 1950s where we're trying to rebel against the authority or the man or our parents or whatever. It's not It's not rebellion. But it's just an avenue. It's a different avenue. It's not the same avenue that many have done for many years. But it's, it is an avenue, though, 
that gives God praise and worship. And so, you know, the, the, as long as we can get, you know, older generations to see or those who are opposed to see that, you know, contemporary is okay and biblical, that's all that, you know. The idea is just be loving about it, show them the lyrics, make the biblical connections, and then move on. You know, we have to also recognize that, you know, not all people are going to agree. You're not all, it doesn't matter what you do to try to convince somebody that something is, is okay and that something isn't what they thought it was. There are going to be people that are just not going to agree with you. And there's going to be people that's not going to listen to what you have to say. And unfortunately, that's just a part of life. Um, however, you know, we just need to recognize that by doing this, you know, by by knowing, you know, by making these connections, not only are we understanding more of why we do what we do, but we're able to, you know, I, I, we're still able to impact people. We're still able to change people's minds potentially on this subject, or at least give them something to think about. There are people that I have seen that are older that have came around and love contemporary music now who were opposed to it years ago, but now, you know, they've seen these connections, they've seen, you know, they have went into a service and they have seen people worshiping God and they're convinced that, you know, and they're able to see that, you know, this really is something good. It isn't some kind of rebellion. This really is just a, an, a different avenue to praise and worship God. Um, so, I, you know, I think the important thing is just that we give people something to think about. Like I said, just give them, you know, the biblical support, the biblical rationale. Show them how our lyrics um, give praise and worship to God. Make the biblical connections and everything. And then just, you know, go from there. Some will, like I said, some will oppose, some will agree, and, you know, that's, that's all you can do. All you can do is, is know why you're doing what you're doing. As long as you know why you're doing it and you have the support um, biblically to be doing it, then, you know, it, it, not everybody's going to agree, but that's okay. You know, that's the main thing is that you, you, set, you yourself have done that research and you have that sense of, of uh, calmness and peace about that um, particular uh, subject. Um, and, you know, and it's nothing against, I think, another thing, too, it's nothing against traditional music. It's not that contemporary music is wanting to dismantle the, the old hymns or the uh, just doing choirs or just doing piano and organ. I mean, I don't think it's that, you know, they're trying to dismantle anything. It's just, you know, and I, you know, I grew up in a traditional uh, worship, and I have been to churches that had... um other forms of traditional uh, worship, because I mean, if you think about it, there, there can be different types of traditional worship. I mean, you have more of like a kind of like a more southern backwoods kind of type of traditional, which is going to be you know your your three and four part harmonies, and it's going to be um, you know your piano music, uh, and it's going to be a little bit. I don't know, at least in my experience, you know, when it came to doing it in a more southern area, uh, a lot of it was kind of made up on the spot, whereas opposed to if you go to maybe a more formal church, um, maybe one that's more like in a downtown area or something like that, that's traditional, you're probably going to have like an organ, you're going to have a piano, and people are going to be wearing robes, and, you know, you're going to have those harmonies, but it's going to be a lot more formal. Um, so even within traditional, there's still differences. Um but it's not that I think contemporary is trying to dismantle anything. I think really what it is is it's just people, and I and even I've noticed this before. Like sometimes in the in traditional music, it can be so I hate to use the word dry, but 
Sometimes it can be so dry that it's really hard to worship God because you are in an environment where everybody feels like they have to be extremely quiet and only sing the words of the song and they can't put, you know, you can't raise your hand, you can't say amen, you can't truly, you know, be, you know, say and, you know, be who you want to be in a worship service because there's this sense of formality and this sense of um, trying to conform with how everybody else is acting. And with, you know, with contemporary music, there isn't this sense of formality. People worship in contemporary services as they wish. Some people put up their hands, some people don't, some people... You know, people do what they want. You know, different people do what they want, do different things. Everybody does what they want to do, if that makes sense. You worship how you want to in contemporary. At least that's been my experience. Um, so, you know, I think that, that it's that that's part of the reason, too, why people are more attracted to contemporary worship because they feel they can worship God and they in their own way and they, they're more comfortable to do so, whereas opposed to in a traditional sense, it's more formal they may not feel quite as comfortable because they're not seeing anybody else, you know, worshiping God other than just simply reading the lines of the hymn and singing. If that, hopefully, that all makes sense. Um, but anyway, but yeah, I I think you know, at the end of the day, is there anything wrong with contemporary music? No. Is it different than traditional? Yes. But is it still within the bounds of Scripture? Yes. It gives God praise. And it praises God with different kinds of instruments. So, I mean, if I'm just being honest, I think contemporary worship is biblical. I mean, as long as the lyrics of the songs are biblical, then yeah, I think it is. And, you know, I think I think the argument's there. And so, you know, I think we just need to be careful, though, in how we, you know, respond to others who give opposition. Um, but yeah, I think that that's really kind of where I'm going to leave that. So I hope that, you know, you have... I'll have gleaned something from this. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the uh, I'm Just Being Honest podcast. Till next time.